Welcome to the Transition Bridge Podcast, the podcast that will help you embrace, grow, and be transformed by the transitions of life. Now here's your host, Debbie Ronka. Welcome to the Transition Bridge Podcast. I'm Debbie Ronka, your host, and today I have something so special for you. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever desired to write a book? You know, you have that thought, is this book worthy? How do I start? What do I need to do to even get this book outside of me onto paper? Well, there's a lot of questions when you want to start to write a book. But guess what? Today, I have answers for all of your questions because I have with me the amazing Jennifer Harshman. She's lovingly known and professionally known as the book baker. Jennifer has read more books than most people ever even see. She's a genius, widely knowledgeable, and yet she's so friendly, down to earth, and cheerful. She actually taught herself to read and write when she was only three years old, and she has not stopped consuming nearly 19,000 books so far. She learned she had a gift for editing when her third grade teacher secretly begged her for help. Jennifer's been writing and editing professionally since 1992, everything from brochures to books, and with more than 200 books and 30 million words edited so far, she loves helping people just like you to make their dream come true. A few of her editing credits are the New York Times bestseller, 48 Days to the Work and Life You Love, USA Today's bestseller, The Millennial Whisperer, and a book that hit number one in the entire business category on Amazon, The Bezos Letters. Jennifer is upbeat. She's an overcomer, a language lover, and she has her own agency as well, Harshman Services. And when she's not working with words and leading her team, Jennifer can be found with her family, coping with disabilities, homeschooling, playing with paint, and even tooting a flute. Well, Jennifer, welcome, welcome, my friend, to the Transition Bridge podcast. I just love your story. I love your heart, your passion to help those that are just out there wanting to write a book. And I know you have so much to share. So I guess I'm just going to start with my first question. Really, is it even possible to teach someone how to write a book, someone who has that desire? Is it possible to even teach them? Absolutely it is. I do it every day, Debbie. Oh, tell us about that, Jennifer. Um, well, I started off with just copy editing. So people already had their books written. They just needed a little bit of help getting it cleaned up and getting it published. And over the years, I added more and more services and eventually built a team. And so now we do everything you know, cover to cover and beyond. And I love the part about helping people to get started in the first place, because so many people have this idea that writing a book is a monumental task. It's so hard and they think it will take so long. And we have all these stereotypes, right? 
oh, I'll have to rent a cabin in the woods and sit there with an old fashioned typewriter and be there for a year. And it's really <laughs> not. It's not like that at all. Um, I've worked with executives who have written books. I've worked with coaches who have a full time coaching practice and they've written books. I've worked with moms who are homeschoolers and full time, full time, full time moms, and they are still able to write a book. So I have a 12 week process, 12 steps and walk people through. So it's absolutely possible. So that's just wonderful to know that if you have the desire, you are actually the teacher, the master who will just take what it is that you're thinking about creating for a book and help them in 12 weeks, actually put that together, edit it, publish. Yeah, 12 weeks to their first draft. So there'll be you know, all of the material, all of the research, everything written and in place where it needs to be. And through the process, we do the developmental editing. So they don't even need to worry about that. If they want to go you know, after they're done with me, they can go somewhere else and have it edited if they'd like, or I can handle that in-house at my agency. What do you think is maybe the top three barriers that people face when they're considering writing a book, you know, what are, what are the mindsets that people have that prevent them from even coming forth? I love that question. Debbie, that's awesome. Um, one of them is imposter syndrome. So mm. who am I to write a book? I don't know enough. I, uh, I don't have a PhD in this stuff. You know, all those things like they think that they have to have all sorts of things that they don't have, like they're not good enough or no one's going to want to hear what I have to say, or you know what? It's already been done like 20 different times. And the thing is, it hasn't been done by them from their perspective in their voice. So that those are some of the big ones. And then I mentioned the idea that it's huge and it's going to take forever. And who has time for that? Very few people can take a sabbatical for six months and go write a book. But the great news is you don't have to. And then there's the whole, I don't know how. And that's true for anyone before they do anything. We don't know how to do something until we learn from someone who's already done it or until we just tinker around and figure it out on our own. That's so great. I'm going to just jump in here and like share a personal testimony of years ago, uh, before I met Jennifer, um, I had an idea for a book. In fact, one of my friends had said, Debbie, you should write a book on how to do what your family does. And I had the mindset. So I wanted to share this because maybe somebody who's listening can relate. My, my, uh, I thought, well, who's going to want to read my book about letters? And really, is this even book worthy? And that was the big one. Is this really yes. book worthy? Because you know, it takes time to write. It takes time to put that together. And if it's really not book worthy, why bother? And so I would encourage everyone who's listening to do what I did years ago, to connect with Jennifer because she's going to be able to expound, uh, expound to you 
that your book is worthy too. It is book worthy. What you have to share, the world is really needing to hear. And because that's what I did. I contacted a coach, someone who didn't know me, and I ran the idea by, and I said, I just really have one question. Is this book worthy? And she got really quiet, and I thought I was going to get the professional letdown of, well, honey, that's a nice idea, but, you know, don't write that book. And what she wound up coming back saying to me was that she became very emotional. And she said, Debbie, this book must be written. And when her words released in me all, everything that was holding me captive, every limiting belief that I had, every mindset that was telling me not to do it. And then my book is called The Family Letter and it wound up becoming an international bestseller. So this is a shout out to everyone who's listening. You have a book within you that the world is waiting for. And today you are getting to meet Jennifer Harshman, who is gonna help you take your book, your idea, your heart, your passion, and put it on paper, that it can be put in a book and actually go out and have a ripple effect in the world. So Jennifer, I love your new concept, uh, book bakery. Share with us this new system because I want all of my audience to come running to you to get their book done. Thank you so much. Um, So I had helped authors one-on-one for years. Um, Like I said, I've started this in 92 and I went full time with it um, once my kids were a little bit older and one-on-one and then in small groups, I did some small group coaching programs and I noticed over time that there was a particular pattern that worked really well. And I hadn't named it, you know, baking a book or anything like that, but when I was explaining to one author, I said, you can do this. If you can follow instructions and if you'll bring, you know, you bring your knowledge and you bring a stick-to-itiveness, if you're willing to do it, if you have the willingness, I can walk you through this process. Writing a book is a, a process that can be replicated. So if you can follow a recipe, and that's when it kind of clicked. If you can follow a recipe, you can write a book. And so I changed the name of my group coaching program to Your Book Bakery, and it was 12 weeks to a manuscript. And then in that program, after about three rounds, the people that were in it started asking me if I would write them a book. Now, I had already written a manual for the program, and I said, well, you've got your book bakery manual. Is that not enough? And they said, actually, we would love it if you would write a whole book, just expand what you have and write a whole book for this, it would help so many other people who aren't in the program right now. And so when I started asking other people about it, I said, I didn't even get the whole sentence out of my mouth, Debbie. When I said your book bakery, they would interrupt me. They were so excited. They're like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what that is. I know what I'm going to get from it. I'm going to go through your program. I'm going to come out with a finished book. And so I was really excited about that. And so of course the book had to be named your book bakery and it's the subtitle is making it easy to write a book i just love that whole concept you know you immediately go to a recipe and i think of uh like a 
seven layer cake, <laughs> yes. you know, all of the different layers. Um, is that something like what your course is about? Is it like one layer at a time? Actually, it's a little simpler than that. Um, I do talk about, you know, some books can be those, you know, seven layer, like a wedding cake tears and those kinds of things. Um, but I don't recommend that somebody do that for their first book. Okay. I recommend something that's simpler, uh, maybe a three layer cake. So it's going to have part one, part two, part three. Um, that's a very common division that you see in books. So I want to make it so that they go through the process and they come out on the other side with a massively increased confidence. Once you've done it, then you know that you can do it. And then if you want to go on and do another book down the road, you have everything you need. You're well equipped and you have the confidence because you did it with that three layer cake. So maybe you'll get a little more um, complicated with your next book. I like that because it is a building process. You're learning and you're also building your confidence and saying, gosh, I could do this. This is fun, actually. What yeah. else can I create? Because I think people have multiple ideas. And mm -hmm. maybe sometimes do you think they try to get it all in one book? So is it easier to break it out? Yes. Um, and that is one thing that, <clears throat> that I mentioned is like that you'll, you'll never delete something that you've written. You will cut and paste it into a different, say, Word document. Um, I call it your idea pantry, sticking with the whole baking theme. Um, and you'll look at what fits in this book. And what needs to go into your idea pantry? Because maybe you'll use that later on. So when you said pantry, the other day I was actually baking a cake and I took out my baking soda and it was expired and I mm. couldn't use it. So do you ever have any, ex any writings that are really like expired that don't fit? Or do you just put them aside? I recommend just putting them aside. Um, I have seen people who will go back, say they you know, have a, a weekend off and just open up that document and just kind of scroll through and see what's there. And one thing, one good reason to keep it is it shows you your improvement over time, shows you how your writing has been improving. And another is it can spark new ideas. I have seen entire books come out of one sentence that someone cut from their current work in progress. They end up branching out and creating an entire book from it. So please forget that your backspace key or delete exists. Just cut and paste it. You never know what can happen. Oh, I love that idea. So it, it, it's just worth saving because you never know how it'll serve you in the future. Yes. So Jennifer, what is like the average length of a book now? Like sometimes people feel like, oh, it has to be so many chapters. You know, is it too small? Is it too big? Is there uh, a perfect recipe for that? So many books are shorter now, like you kind of hinted at in your question. And what's amazing is it doesn't have to be long to be effective. Mm -hmm. For a book to be published on Amazon, it needs to be 2,500 words. And most of you have read blog posts that are longer than that. So depending on what it is, it could be anywhere from that up to about 50,000. That's uh, anything much bigger than 50,000 words is getting into the territory of somebody might not finish reading the book. 
that's not to say that you should never write one that long because sometimes you just, you need to, but 25,000 to 50,000 is a really good range. I never thought about 2,500, 2,500 words. You said 2,500. That's the minimum. That's the minimum. minimum. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's probably good if you like to do uh, like sequels, like, what, what, what is that word for books in a series, a series? Mm-hmm. So let me ask you about your group coaching. Okay. Um, do, how many people are in the class? What happens in, in all of those sessions and how long are they? Okay. Um, the first thing that I want people to know is we have a lot of fun with this. So it's very lighthearted. We take a, a fun approach, make a lot of puns, um, you know, all of that. And the sessions are 12 weeks long. Each class is about an hour long. And we meet once a week and have a couple of different time options for people to work that into their schedule. And we go through from the very beginning with what is your idea? How are we going to outline it? Um, I help people to do keyword research to figure out what to put in their book. And as far as I know, I'm the only person who does that, but it it's very effective and very fast to do some research that way and find out what to put in your book. We outline it in the first week or so. And by week three, we're in drafting. So there are a few weeks for them to write their first draft and by the end of it, they are ready to go to an editor. Tell me more about the keyword search. Why is that important? Okay. So most people aren't familiar with the term, but they know what it is. It's what would you type into a search engine when you're looking for something? So Amazon is a big search engine. If you're going to hop on Amazon and look for a book, what would you type in there? That is a keyword And it's actually usually more than one word, but the whole phrase, we call it a keyword. And the reason it's so important is when you get this data, it tells you what people are looking for. So let's say you decide that you want to write a book about pet care. You have several different types of animals in your house and you, you would love to write something about that. And you go and you do some research and you find out that this one pet that you have There are really no books on it and people aren't really searching for that term. But like this happened with one of my um, people in my program. She decided to write a book on bearded dragon care. And that's how she found found out which one to do was through keyword research. And it can help you outline your entire book. You can find out exactly what you need to put into your book. almost becomes a a, a guide in a way kind of helps you tap into more creativity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you help someone who wants to write a book but doesn't necessarily feel creative well with that we just put structure into place you don't have to feel creative and you don't have to let your you know how you are feeling at the moment dictate what you're doing We also break it up into little bite-sized pieces. So if you, for one thing that I have people do is set a timer for two minutes and then just pretend like they're Kermit the Frog on the keyboard, just banging away. They're going to dump out as many words as they possibly can within two minutes. 
and then take a little break and then look at what they've written. And then they can decide whether they want to shape that up. Um, sometimes people will get started and they're on a roll. So they just keep going and that's fine too. But you don't want to write and edit at the same time. That's the only thing that I would caution people. I bet that adds frustration or adds to the length of time, right? It's better not to interrupt the creativity, just let it flow. Yes. Yes. It takes different parts of your brain to create okay. and to shape. So when you're switching, just think of like a physical task. If you're trying to juggle things, if you're trying to switch between two different tasks, then you not only are interrupting yourself in the creative part, but you're slowing everything down because it takes time for us to switch our attention and to switch the mode that we're in. And if you're going to switch once, I write for a while, then I'm going to switch and I'm going to edit one switch. That's okay. But when you're switching, say, 20 or 30 times in a writing session, whew, you really can't make much progress. And then you're going to feel bad and feel like it's your fault or something. There's something wrong with you. No, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just going through a process that makes it really difficult for you. I'm so glad you brought that up because I I was just sitting here writing down, what do you say to people who get discouraged? And probably that's probably one of the sources of discouragement. Yes. Um, so how do, how do you... I, I can with your amazing, fun personality. How do you bring people out of discouragement back into creativity? There are a couple of ways. One, I host writing sprints, and so we Ooh. do this together, and um, we all cope with the same things, right? When we know that you're not alone, you are not alone, and we do it together. We're like, here's the timer, let's go. You can also do it on your own. Um, some people their schedules don't work, or they just like to be solitary. They don't want to do something like this in public, so to speak. So they'll do it on their own too. And I encourage people to start very, very small. And when I say bite-sized, I mean really bite-sized. Two minutes. This is a habit. Being able to switch off your inner editor or your inner critic, it's a habit. It's a skill that people have to build. And if I just say, oh, Debbie, just, you know, write and then edit later and then leave you to your own devices, um, you're probably not going to be able to do it and then you're going to feel bad. It's not because of anything that's wrong with you. It's just you have not done this. You haven't built that skill yet. And it would be very unreasonable and unkind of me to do that. So what I do is I walk people through from the very beginning and say, we can do this for two minutes. We're going to set that timer. You're just going to bang, bang, bang on the keyboard. And then give yourself a little bit of a break. And then look at it. And then after you're used to that two-minute increment, maybe you want to go three, five. Build your way up to 10 or 15 minutes at a time. And if you do a couple of sessions a day, then there you have 30 minutes of writing every day. And really, that's all it takes to write a book. You know, they always say when you start a new habit, take small steps, right? And it sounds, I love your whole theory behind that because I think we tend to think, oh my gosh, I have to set aside four hours a day to write. 
And then that could be overwhelming or you just think, I don't have the time. Like you said, you you actually help like full-time coaches and people who are running businesses get a book finished. And that speaks volumes to me about how powerful, incredible, resourceful your book bakery is because you actually come out with a product and I bet it smells really good. <laughs> yes, everything's delicious. <laughs> Let me ask you this, because I know one of the things that's important when people are writing books is that their own voice is heard as they're writing. Do people, as they're writing their books, tend to want to copy and be like someone else? Do they lose their own voice? Um, how does that work? Sometimes people will. So whenever someone starts doing something, they will initially imitate someone else. And a good editor will see that and help to guide the person onto a different path. Um, another thing to keep in mind is that about 80 to 90% of a book, let's say, let's say we have two books, different authors, and it's the exact same topic, about 80 to 90% of those two books will be the same material. And that's because these different things need to be covered on the topic. And most of the words will be the same because there are only so many ways to phrase certain things. And terminology, if terminology needs to be used, those words need to be used. So there's going to be a lot of overlap between those two books. And if you've read more than, you know, if you've read say five or 10 books on the same topic, you notice you're like, oh yeah, I've heard this. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, gee, this sounds so familiar. But the important part, yes, all that needs to be there. But the important part is that remaining 10 to 20%. And that's where the authorial voice comes into play. That's where your unique experiences and stories and anecdotes those all get pulled in and your unique phrases, your um, the things that you say often, you'll become known for. We call those pet words or pet phrases. And some editors want to kind of erase those. I don't, but I do want to guide people in using them well. That was so thought, thought out, so beautifully shared because you're right. Like, especially in coaching, you know, there are, you know, facts, there are certain things that are consistent, and yet it is your own personal story. It's the way you connect with people mm -hmm. and, and your approach that makes you stand out and have your own unique voice. And so I love, I never thought about how an editor could pick that up. It's that, one of the many things um, that's part of developmental editing. <laughs> And how do you gently get that point across to an author? I take the approach of the golden rule. I put myself in the author's shoes every time I make a comment. And I have been on both sides of the editorial desk. So I am an author. I am an editor. I'm a coach. And it's really easy for me to put myself in someone else's shoes. And when I train my team members, that's the first thing that I say is, here at Harshman Services, we follow the golden rule. When you're making a comment to an author, put yourself in their shoes. Would you feel respected? 
would you feel like you're the authority on your topic or would you feel condescended to criticized you know those things that we do not like to feel ourselves we're not going to make our authors feel we're going to be gentle and we're going to be clear so for example i might change the wording of a phrase in the document and then make a comment and say this is what i think because this resource here Chicago Manual of Style says X. The dictionary says Y. And it is your book and it is your call. So that way they have the choice. They have the power in their hands. I give my expertise and I let them know that this is their book. They have to live with this. You know, Debbie, your name is on your book. If you're not really happy with it, then we have a problem. That is, I totally agree with that because there were times where I felt like, no, that's not my voice or that's, and then I, there were times, yeah, I think, oh yeah, I need to change that. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mm -hmm. think for those who are aspiring to write, to have an open heart and open ears to receive from the editor because of the expertise that you bring, right? But then mm -hmm. to also know and understand your own voice to make sure that it's still you. Yes. Getting that point. And that, that's, that's a little dance there, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is. Yes. <laughs> so tell me about ghostwriting. I know lots, I hear about that a lot, you know, oh, we can get your book out and we'll, you know, just ghostwriter. Um, mm -hmm. tell, tell us about that. Okay. So, you know, when I mentioned that 10 to 20%, that's the author's voice, that is really important when it comes to ghostwriting. So, I can go through and write the majority of the content of a book if I have it, the topic, but I have to talk with the author or watch all of their YouTube videos or, you know, interview them on Zoom and things like that to hear what words and phrases do they use? What is a Debbie Runkaism that needs to go in this book? And that's how we can ghostwrite a book and it still sounds like the author. If it's done right, it works really well. Do you offer that service as well, Jennifer? I sure do. You just do it all. This is a full scope bakery. <laughs> yeah, we say we're a one-stop shop. <laughs> I love that. So once the books are written, are there any secrets to launching the book? Is that something you help with? Do you give advice? I usually refer people out for that. Um, I do give authors, um, I think it's a 72-step checklist for things that they can do. And we start that at the very beginning. So they're going to start talking about their book on social media. They're going to start building relationships with people who are thought leaders in their space. All of those things need to happen far before they actually launch their book. So um, I have created what we call an editorial calendar, mm -hmm. which is, okay, on Facebook, on these days, you're going to post. And on Twitter, on these days, you're going to post, you know, whatever it is that they are already on, comfortable with, and love. We create a plan for that for them. And we get them up to 
their publication date. And then if they want to carry on with someone else, we do have a few people that we can refer them to for book marketing. You really are a one-stop shop. I know I can just come in there with all my little ingredients and then you're going to help me put them all together and I'm going to create like a gourmet meal. I'm going to, I'm going to make something that I'm supposed to create and then you actually help me get it sold out of the store into the hands of the people who need whatever it is that I'm writing about. So gosh, Jennifer, what you're, what you've created, what you're doing is so powerful. Thank you. I feel like this is what I was put here to do. Yes. Uh, helping people. Cause you know, when, I mean, when you coach someone one-on-one, -on -one, that's great. I love that. And at the same time, that limits the reach and the impact and, you know, the ripples through the kingdom that I can have. So that's why I got into group coaching. That's why I got into writing my own books and, this will help people who don't have the resources to coach, you know, have me coach them one-on-one -on -one or to go through different programs or come to retreats or, you know, it, it really just expands the reach and helps more people. And your listeners, when they write their book, they're going to do the same thing. They can coach people one-on-one -on -one or help people one-to-one, -one, but a book will help them one-to-many and, man, the impact that a book can have. When somebody sends you an email and says, you saved my life. Mm -hmm. How many people, how many people would it take saying that you changed my life or saved my life? Would it take to make it worth writing that book? And everyone that I've ever asked that say, just one. If one person said I saved their life, or I totally changed things for them and made things so much better, I would write a book for that one person. And you're going to help far more than just that one person. So you really do need to write that book. Well, you're now you're making me cry <laughs> because, you know, it's so true. We undervalue what's inside of us thinking, is it worthy enough to share? Will it make a difference? And what I hear you saying, Jennifer, is yes. Oh, yes. Big yes. And to be able to have a book that will help many, that can go around the world. And you never know whose hands your book's going to fall into. You never know who's going to share your book with another person that needs to hear your message. So you, oh, that's that's so powerful. If you really just sit and think into that, that should be such inspiration to say, I'm gonna write this book and I need, I need Jennifer, I need her. So do you have any, like, I just wanted to think Jennifer, like in closing, if you had an opportunity right now to just speak to someone who's thinking, Maybe I want to write a book. And I know you've shared so much wisdom and so much knowledge, but maybe there's something else you'd like to say. You are good enough. You have purpose. You can help so many people. All you need is the willingness and a recipe to follow. 
Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, I know Jennifer's heart is for all of you who are listening and she is asking you if you'd like to contact her and sign up, you can receive a stack of goodies to help you with uh, your nonfiction content creation or any of your repurposing and to just visit harshmanservices.com. So tell me real quick though, what is repurposing? Ooh, I love that question. So um, think kind of, it's kind of like you're going to take a, a, make a copy of a sheet of paper, but when you hit the copy button, instead of the exact same thing coming out of your printer or your copier, something a little bit different is going to come out. So if I take part of my book and I lay it on the copier and I hit the button, a blog post is going to come out. And then I hit the button again and a script for a podcast episode is going to come out and I hit it again. And now I have 30 different social media posts that I can use. So repurposing is taking something that you have created and maybe taking a part of it off and using it for something else. It doesn't detract from what you already have. It's not dismantling it, but it's using it in multiple different ways. So you make your writing work as hard as you do. I love that idea. So it's not a once and done. There's multiple, multiple things that could come out of that. Yes. Oh, I love that. Well, Jennifer, I'm so honored to have you. You are incredible. You're so gifted. And your humility just shines. You have a heart to serve. And you have a heart to take people into the space that they were created for. And you are a true servant, a true leader. And I'm so honored to have you on the podcast. And for all of you who are listening, you know, I do this because I want to serve you. I want to bring people on the podcast that you can relate to, that can help you, because we're all coming together. We're all experiencing change and transitions in life. And here's Jennifer. She wants to transition you into becoming an author. And I would love for you to reach out to her. I'll have her contact information in my show notes. And I just want to thank you all for being with us today. Because, you know, as a tribe, we come together to grow, embrace, and be transformed for the purpose and power of the transitions in our lives. Thank you for joining us today on the Transition Bridge Podcast. We appreciate you. If you enjoyed listening today, please go ahead and subscribe or review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes. And for more information about Debbie, go to DebbieRonka.com. That's D-E-B-I-R-O-N-C-A.com.